welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. Well, you may notice the music is different. And you may notice uh, possibly this show will be a bit shorter. <laughs> Depends on, I guess, how things flow, I suppose. But uh, having some troubles. Uh, unable to access the files to the show right now. And, of course, that also means I don't have access to the <laughs> to the commercials. Either the, uh, the tall grass or the Amazon ad. So I do apologize to any and everybody involved including the listeners as well. So I'll do the best I can to go through things right now. I'm going to do the best I can to get through this show, at least talk about the game today, the Minnesota Vikings' second straight victory, this time over the Washington Redskins, and Vikings beat the Redskins last year as well. So very cool. We had a little surprise, well, somewhat, (laughs) because I basically mentioned last week that, you know, RG3 probably will come back, huh? It was actually a pretty decent chance that he would, and and he did. Uh, Robert Griffin III, back out there, played today, was all right. In fact, he was more than all right at times. And But it, late in the game, Teddy Bridgewater actually outshined RG3. So that was the good sign. Interestingly enough, their quarterback ratings almost identical. RG3's 90 and even 90. Teddy Bridgewater, 88.2. And the baby steps continue. More baby steps. Dare we call this week's episode, More Baby Steps. Because that's exactly what they are. Um, Teddy Bridgewater moving more, moving forward. Moving forward. Improving continuously. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, we still saw some rookie quarterbackisms along the way, especially in the first half. Uh-huh, big time. And including uh, the very first play of the game. Teddy Bridgewater, to this date, cannot complete a down-the-field pass at all get receivers open in the flat or, or in the center of the field, whatever it is. He can't hit him. He tends to overthrow him and then occasionally underthrows him. He overthrew uh, Cordero Patterson on the first play of the game. It would have been it would have been an 80-yard touchdown pass. Teddy Bridgewater might have wound up with 400-plus yards today and three touchdowns very easily. He also overthrew uh, Greg Jennings as well. Just wide open, wide open breakdowns by the Washington Redskins secondary, who are a promising young secondary, but not prone to, or, but definitely prone to mistakes. And they made a couple today, and Bridgewater could and should have made them pay, but he didn't. That's where the frustration came in. That's where the frustration came in. It would have been three touchdown passes and probably four hundred plus yards for Bridgewater. Imagine that he would have been the NFC Player of the Week, possibly, or at least Offensive Player of the Week. I got to think he would have been right up there. I mean, 400 plus yards. Yeah. 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 I think so. <laughs> no interceptions. Though he might have had one today. Maybe. But that's another key step with Teddy Bridgewater and the Minnesota Vikings in general. No turnovers. So, yeah. Back to back weeks. Nope. No turnovers. Malcolm mentioned that on the Facebook page. We'll get to that in the third segment. The second segment is going to be a little shorter than, uh, than normal for... Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you why, and you probably already know why, and for those of you that don't, you'll, you'll find out. It's no big secret, but it's kind of fun in a way. Teddy Bridgewater has definitely has a, uh, well, he definitely has a favorite tight end, at least as of right now, until his new favorite tight end, Kyle Rudolph, comes back. 
to, to play against the Chicago Bears. We'll talk about that in segment two a bit. Gotta like the steps Bridgewater's taking, but it's still a little concerned as well with the inability to complete long passes. Eh. I mean, really, both of them, to Cordero Patterson and to Greg Jennings, both of the passes were like line drive throws, which, that's great. That makes his arm look good, I suppose, but you might want to stale it in. You might want to stale it in. Now, Pete Bursich mentioned that during the the broadcast as well, but yeah, I mean, sail it in there. It's easier to catch, a lot easier to catch, and then you don't, the ball isn't like flying forward and impossible to get to. You kind of like to sail your passes on the deep ones. And then he did sail it on the second pass attempt <laughs> to Cordell Patterson, which was knocked away, unfortunately, because it was slightly underthrown. Eventually, he's going to get it right, and when he does, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, in my humble opinion. And I'm not a Bridgewater Bobo, at least not to the point of certain people out there, other shows and such. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all. I'm not a full-blown Bobo of him, but you know what? It's just, I'm calling him as I see him. I see Teddy Bridgewater as a Pro Bowl quarterback in the future. I'm giving you my honest assessment. As an objective Viking fan, an objective fan of the NFL. I do think Teddy Bridgewater has a definite... uh, positive future in this league. He will be an upper echelon quarterback in this league, and he's continuing to take baby steps in that direction. I'm very pleased about that, to be quite honest. I'm liking the lack of turnovers, and hey, that touchdown pass he did throw to Chase Ford to end the first half, which made a lot of us believe a little bit, like, hey, there you go, finally the Vikings offense did something. Despite the fact the Vikings did absolutely jack bleep the entire first half of the game, for the most part, <clears throat> until that final drive, <laughs> did absolutely jack crap. And even the defense didn't look so hot on the uh, the eventual touchdown by the Washington Redskins to make it 10 nothing. Alfred Morris, which I mentioned was a serious threat. He did get two touchdowns on the game today. Uh, you know, two touchdowns on the ground today, of course. No surprise for me personally, because he is a very valuable piece of this pretty talented Redskins offense, I might add. But there's something about Teddy Bridgewater when it's when like the game's on the line. He looks he looks pretty damn good when the game's on the line and when it's like the whole situation of the clock's running out here in the first half, we need to put some points on the board. Teddy Bridgewater is damn good at picking up the urgency. And that's a very encouraging sign. That's a very big reason why I think he's a Pro Bowl quarterback in the future. I think in the future he will be a Pro Bowl quarterback, which I've mentioned more than once now. This is, uh, I'm, I feel good. I, I, I feel good about it, and I also feel bad as well. Vikings are now 5-4. and four. Think about what, or excuse me, 4-5. and five. Yeah, exactly. Think about a batted down pass at the goal line against the Buffalo Bills. How nice that would have been, or possibly an interception, or possibly knocking down the pass when it's 4th and 20. That would have been nice, too. Maybe Chad Greenway would have... Yeah, okay, Chad Greenway knocked knock down a pass. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a nice dream right there, especially the last couple of years. But no, just one knockdown pass here or there during that final drive against the Buffalo Bills. And the Vikings would be 5-4, and four, and, you know, playoff hopes still very much alive. Not necessarily a likelihood, but very much 
alive. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice, wouldn't it? But we're four and five. We're still alive. Four and five and still alive to an extent. That's the good news. And we're going to be playing a toxic Chicago Bears team. Unfortunately. <laughs> Though, it seems like whenever the Vikings have an opportunity to beat the Chicago Bears, they don't. Again, we got to get back to that in segment number two before I get ahead of myself and screw that up royally. Screw the whole damn show up, which I've been known to do on occasion. <laughs> no, maybe not totally screw it up, but just kind of, you know, put the show in a blender and make it feel a little less organized. But an intriguing game, and Teddy Bridgewater is the feature presentation, even though you could argue uh, the defensive line should be the feature presentation of this uh, of this show. The quarterback position is the most important in this league, and the fact that our quarterback continuing is continuing to make steps forward when the previous starting quarterback, who was supposed to be the quarterback of the future, never really took steps forward. Did you ever get the vibe that, hey, Christian Ponder's figuring this thing out? Did you ever really get that vibe? Okay, he had a little slight surge in 2012, but it kind of helps when your running back is like breaking like world records practically out there. In fact, he missed it by nine yards. <laughs> the season, single season record. It kind of helps that, um, you know, that uh, keeps the defense honest and they might want to watch the run a little bit. It probably helped a little bit. And, and maybe the defenses he went up against weren't that hot either. You know, Green Bay secondary, not, not, not that great. In fact, there was a time they were giving up 40, 50 points <laughs> here, here and there. So, just saying. Um, you didn't really see steps forward out of Christian Ponder. You never really did. And we have consistently saw steps forward out of Teddy Bridgewater this season. Started very strong against Atlanta. Took the major steps backward. But since the Detroit game, he's made steps forward. He made extremely tiny little teensy-weensy steps forward against Buffalo. He made more significant, but still baby steps. Baby steps, not big steps. Baby steps last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did freaking die, but still, hey, still. The Buccaneers did play better last week, conveniently. And the Washington Redskins defense is uh, not bad. And Teddy Bridgewater made continued steps forward this week. And one major key that he did, that he has not been doing since the ankle injury against the Atlanta Falcons... And it didn't. And it took a uh, halftime. <laughs> it took a halftime chew out from t- uh, Coach Mike Zimmer and uh, to Teddy Bridgewater. You know what, man? There are times we could be getting a first down if you would just run the damn ball. Like just, just run the damn ball. And then you know, re- remember against the Atlanta Falcons when you saw Teddy Bridgewater run for a couple of first downs and then slide like the intelligent young quarterback he is. Well, guess what? That guy finally showed up again. He, he, it's real. It's not a myth. It wasn't just a one game wonder. I think he was a bit, uh, uh, timid about that because of the ankle injury. Zimmer punched it through his head, <laughs> got it through his ears that, hey, Teddy, run, run once in a while. If there's a first down to be had, go get it. If there's no receiver open, but gosh darn it, you could get the eight yards needed to get a first down, go the hell, go out there and get it. Make your slide, whatever it is. And that guy showed up in the second half. Talk about encouraging. Talk about encouraging. So yes, the baby steps continuing this week. And they're slightly bigger than the previous baby steps. 
slightly better. <laughs> Matt Asiata, second game this season where he had three touchdowns on the goal line. How about that? All in the second half. Gotta like it. Certainly not a yardage guy, but boy, he is a goal line stud. Gotta like the running. Uh, got, gotta like that aspect of the running game. Not a very consistent running game overall, though, for the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Asiata, he'll give you two and a half. When you need when you need a yard, he'll give you two and a half. When you need five, he'll give you <clears throat> two and a half. Jarek McKinnon, well, he was all right. He was all right. Nothing special. Average three point nine to carry, fifty four yards on the ground. A couple of solid runs. Certainly no break, no break free. Uh, he was never loose out there, as Paul Allen likes to say. That's a very famous line out there. I think it's a little bit overrated, but that's just me. <laughs> and he's loose. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to imitate it properly. It's a little bit overrated, but eh, it's alright. Uh, Jarek McKinnon never really majorly got loose, though he did have a 15-yard long for the day. Um, still looks like an okay starting running back, though. I mean, it's not like 54 yards on 14 carries is that sucky. I mean, it's hey, you're going to have some quieter weeks. This was a quieter week, but it was uh, still a representative week for Jarek McKinnon in the running game. And, of course, very noticeably, Teddy Bridgewater, three rushes, 20 yards, including a 16-yarder. That really helped the Vikings down the stretch. The quarterback position, also important, and that's why I talked about it for as long as I did. The defensive line, though, absolute heroes along the way. It's frustrating a mobile quarterback who's obviously an oft-injured quarterback and he was protected. Uh, there was an extra offensive line out there and they wore uh, they wore stripes and everybody knows that. Multiple uh, roughing the passer calls today. One of them where Harrison Smith hit him on the ground. Um, ah, it was kind of like the play was still somewhat alive and whatever. I mean, I, I don't even know what to make of that one. You can kind of go either way with that. I can kind of understand the call, but it was kind of ticky-tack as well. A lot of people were frustrated with it. I guess it's one of those rules are rules type of things. And uh, the timing maybe was slightly, slightly too late. But it really wasn't much of a hit. It's not like he jarred him into the ground and almost gave him a concussion. I mean, he really didn't hit him that hard. And then... Linval Joseph basically twisted him around like he was trying to give him a headlock, that being RG3, him being RG3. Uh, yeah, that wasn't very, uh, that wasn't the best play ever. And it almost cost the Vikings the game. Kept kept that drive alive when they could have been, uh, it could have been fourth down. That that kind of, that kind of sucked. That kind of hurt. Thank God Teddy Bridgewater was gump today. Great under major pressure. Yes, he was. Gump is back. Gump is back. But no, the defensive line ultimately just just huge today. Huge. I mean, oh my goodness. Coming out party for Mr. Sharif Floyd, without a doubt. Awesome day today. Only a half a sack. But yeah, it felt like he got like six. I mean, he was uh, he was all over the place. Four assists on the day. Two, uh, two yards lost overall in the game. Felt like he had more tackles than he did, but he was involved in several of them. Harrison Smith with, 12, with 10 tackles on the day. Chad Greenway with a rare sack. Brian Robinson with a sack. Everson Griffin now with nine sacks. He is playing like an absolute stud out there. And I'll say again, what a great move by Rick Spielman. And you can't say that all the time, can you? <laughs> Not a very popular guy all the time, but another sack for Everson Griffin. Yeah, what a great move by 
Rick Spielman to let to move on from Jared Allen, who's past his prime and not that good, and really not that good anymore, and then to commit long term to Harrison Griffin, who hadn't completely, who hadn't really proven himself. In fact, he had a disappointing year last year. He's got nine sacks in nine games. Wow, this guy's on track for a Super Bowl, you know, super superstar season. Pardon me, and a Pro Bowl season, which I combined the two words together, and that wasn't very good. <laughs> Anthony Barr with another sack, another just superstar type game for him. Hard to believe he gave up 26 points today and no turnovers. Man, hard to believe. But um, the defense wasn't perfect the whole way, but the defensive line was amazing. And, of course, Anthony Barr was unbelievable like he always has been. Tons of tackles, getting in the backfield over and over again. Obviously got one sack, like I said, but also taking down Mr. Morris as well. You got to love that. And Tom Johnson, again. Uh, another half sack today. Just uh, that guy. <laughs> he's a factor. I mean, not not much of a name overall, but old seventy eight dollar fine himself or seventy eight dollar bail himself with another half sack. So he had to share it, unfortunately, with Sharif. But uh, it happens. Good job, guys. Good job. Really impressed with the defensive line today, despite the fact we did give up twenty six points. Minnesota Vikings, by the way, I might want to mention the score. Win 29-26 to officially. That would help if I did mention that. Special teams, not so much a factor today other than Jeff Locke is not the best punter in the world. He, he really isn't. Um, he's not the worst punter in the world, but he's certainly not that great. And he's been under fire the past couple weeks, which uh, the first time around just basically drew some sarcasm from the, the post-game shows out there. But the second time around, it's like, yeah, he really isn't that hot, is he? Jeff Locke. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't, uh, I'm probably not the expert on punting out there, but uh, at the same time, not the most impressive performance by him, to be quite honest. And yeah, Cordero Patterson, you're not really seeing much of a, you're not really seeing any breakaway speed out of him this year for receiving the ball or on kick returns. Not sure what to think about Cordero Patterson right now. I got to think, it, though, the one thing I do got to think it is the hip. Marquise Gray actually returned a kick off today for 14 yards. That was kind of interesting. The former Gophers quarterback and NFL tight end. Mm, they must not real, really feel good about Cordell Patterson out there. And Marcus Sherrill's only returned one punt uh, by Washington. Who punted three times today. Only returned one punt for eight yards. So special teams, not much of a factor along the way. Blair Walsh didn't even have to attempt a field goal today. All extra points and of course made them all. And uh, Washington only two field goals and they were both chip shots and of course both of them were made by Kai Forbath. That's an interesting name. (laughs) So yeah, special teams not nearly as much of a factor today. It was pretty much just a Vikings defensive line, RG3, Deshaun Jackson, and of course Teddy Bridgewater. Greg Jennings and Chase Ford. Those were kind of the biggest factors along the way today. And yeah, the Washington defensive line and linebackers and of course the safeties for multiple reasons were all, um, quite quite important to the outcome of this game as well. Could have been a... The Vikings could have... They could have routed Washington. I mean, imagine two more catches for 14 points. Vikings would have routed the, routed the Redskins. It would have been like a... Gosh, it would have been... 43... <laughs> It would have been 43-26 to 26 if those two passes were catched. So, And that's a really weird score, but it is what it is. It's 
That's a really weird score. Um, it's called getting a two-point conversion, I suppose. <sighs> yeah, really weird score. Yeah, just just flat weird. And of course, watching it not getting a uh, two-point conversion. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Three three uh, touchdowns on the ground, and of course, the wonderful touchdown pass to Chase Ford from Teddy Bridgewater at the end of the first half. The second half, though, Teddy Bridgewater leading the Vikings when trailing by five. Very clutch. The gump took over. Completing passes to Greg Jennings, Chase Ford, and Rhett Ellison along the way, but mostly Greg Jennings and Chase Ford today. They were definitely the best buddies of uh, Teddy Bridgewater down the stretch in that fourth quarter drive that ultimately led to this Minnesota Vikings victory. A very, very happy day for us all. And Matt Asiata did what, did what he does. A goal line smash, got the ball in, and there it is. Vikings up 29-26, and we were able to shut down RG3 with only a minute left. Got them to fourth down. <laughs> and that's all, there, that's all that it mattered. He couldn't complete a pass. RG3, sharp at times, smart at times. Elusive at times, but at times, you know, at times the passes were not that great. They weren't that great. Uh, he got away with a couple of calls along the way, of course, and yeah, I got bailed out with the roughing the passers and a couple of intentional groundings along the way, including one near near the end of the game, which ultimately uh, they were able to get a touchdown later on, unfortunately for us. But uh, we'll have to let that go for the time being. <laughs> There was a key uh, pass interference call late in the game against the Redskins as well, and, and it was an easy call too, which a lot of people would agree with, especially Viking fans anyway. <laughs> but an overall fun, fun game for the Minnesota Vikings. It's The first half was so boring, and it's like you look out the window and it's so nice, and yes, they did step outside a couple times today, especially during the half, like, like always. I mean, who's not going to step outside when it's nice out and it's halftime? I mean, come on now. It, it was just that kind of game where you want to step outside, relax, especially in that first half with how frustrating it got. But the second half, it had you kind of glued to the TV set, didn't it? And there was a payoff. The Vikings won the game. And, of course, Petty Ridgewater was what he wants to be, and that's Gump. And it has nothing to do with Forrest Gump. <laughs> nothing to do with that whatsoever. Great under major pressure. So, congratulations, Teddy Bridgewater, his third fourth quarter comeback already of his career as a rookie. Gotta like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That is a really good sign for the Minnesota Vikings. One thing after another, you could pile them up and just pile them up. And then you look at it's like, hey, the future is pretty bright for this team. Despite the fact they're only four and five. They're not exactly like setting the world on fire. They're not the Arizona Cardinals or anything who suddenly are unbelievable. Even you know, and I know most people are probably looking at the record and saying, "Yeah, whatever." They'll probably just get a, they'll probably lose in the first round. They very well might, but still, just saying. Um, but the the Vikings, yeah, the Vikings don't have that kind of record. But this is a building block type of season. I didn't come into this year expecting the Vikings to be twelve and four. I picked them to be eight and eight. So all right, man. I mean, it, but I said it would be a building type of year. The defense would be better? Well, I think it's better. It's not great. It's not a finished product, but it's better. Teddy Bridgewater continues to get better. Not great. Certainly not a finished product by any means, but getting better. 
Jarek McKinnon, suddenly being thrust in to be the starting running back for obvious reasons. He, he, he is a legitimate starting running back, and that's really cool. The running back, the running game has cons- consistently gotten better during the course of this season. No explosive game to him by him today, but he represented. He represented. And that's good. That's solid. Can't get mad about that. So, overall, that's the gist of this game. That's the gist of this season and the gist of this team right now. It's a building year. A building year. Not rebuilding, just building. Just building. <laughs> the, the rebuilding was kind of over the course of the offseason, I suppose. Um... But a lot of the pieces are already in place for this team to get better and stay better. That's the good news. So I will end the game review on that very, very positive note. This is not a great football team, but a good football, but a potentially, but a team with potential in the coming years. There. End. (laughs) End of the game review. Let's take a quick break. And we will hop into the second segment, which again will be slightly shorter than normal. We'll be back right after this. Mafia, it is time for the NFC North Roundup. So here it is. Here's your NFC North Roundup. Yeah, that's your NFC North Roundup. Uh, the Vikings were the only team to play this week. That's why it's going to be shorter. <laughs> oh, I had to do that. I had to do that. <laughs> All right, uh, Chicago Bears preview. Yes, and the Minnesota Vikings will be on the bye week next week, but I'm not going to be that lazy. I'm not going to just be like... Eh, Vikings don't play next week, so we're gonna have no preview. No, we gotta preview the Chicago Bears game. Come on, that's kind of that's kind of mean. At the end of the day, the Chicago Bears, though, what more is there to say about that football team, that team? And of course, the Vikings will play on Sunday, November the sixteenth. Another uh, boy, what a another noon game for the Vikings, which which I I like for the most part, for the most part. And I almost got confused because it's like, wait a minute, we play the Packers out of the bye. No, 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 that's the Bears play the Packers out of <laughs> out of their bye. So, uh, yeah, because they had the bye this week, as did the Packers. But overall, the Chicago Bears, what can you say? They're an absolute mess. They're three and five, and um, not nah, They're three and five and barely alive. Not you know where I'd say we're four and five and still alive. No, they're barely alive. In fact, I'm not even sure they're barely alive. They really, uh... What can you say? They're an absolute frickin' mess. And you look at Jay Cutler's statistics, and you think, he's having a pretty solid year. That's why you can't judge football players or any other athlete on paper. Just on looking at their stats. Not saying anybody out there is doing that, but just saying. Um, You know, that's why... That's one of the reasons I don't like fantasy football anymore, because it kind of... It kind of threw off my ability to do this show at times. And I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that in general, but it's like, you, you know, it kind of throws you off a little bit. You look at the stats and you're like, huh, he's having an okay year. But then you watch the guy play and it's like, no, no, he's not having that good of a year. Yeah, he's had some good games, Jake Hedler, and 
you know, he's not the worst quarterback in the world. In fact, he's an above-average quarterback, but he's an absolute bleeping mess, without a doubt. 17 touchdowns, 8 interceptions on the year quarterback rating, 95.8. You think, wow, he's really he's really killing it in Chicago. No, he's not. Uh, the quarterback percentage, or excuse me, the percentage, completion percentage, too, 67%. So statistically, Jay Cutler looks great. But it's the timing of his interceptions that'll kill you. And, of course, the fact that he's got about as much of a team attitude as certain co-workers out there. <laughs> Not naming names to anybody, obviously. And um, certain co-workers that you work with. That's what I'm saying. You, Everybody has co-workers that they can't stand. Or maybe you don't, you don't hate them, but they're just not easy to work with. They make your head, they, they make your hair curl. They make your heart palpitate. Like, oh my God, I can't deal with this anymore. And Jay Cutler's basically that kind of person. Uh, Brandon Marshall, who's just about becoming a forgotten person out there, along with uh, Megatron in Detroit. Think about that. Megatron and Brandon Marshall, basically non-factors this year because of injuries. Now, they've played some, and they've had some good games out there. Don't get me wrong, but they've, they've struggled with, with those ankle injuries and such. And uh, the inconsistency of their quarterbacks doesn't help either because Matthew Stafford's inconsistent as well. But Detroit's defensive line is so doggone good. And the fact that Detroit's offense has some explosive ability, well, they're still 6-2. Yeah, but the Bears, they're just not a team. The Detroit Lions are a team, and things are working nicely with Jim Caldwell, who's probably going to be the coach of Detroit for a while, as long as things continue in the direction they are. Jim Tressman... Um, well, this is going to be his last season in Chicago. Um, the odds of him returning are very, 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 very slim. Got to think that there are other names out there that will be attractive to take over the Chicago Bears, not including uh, Leslie Frazier or anything. But, um, yeah, candidates will emerge. I haven't checked because I don't care right now. This is not a Chicago Bears podcast. And, we're, you know, we have a lot of fun talking about that as the season develops and into the off season. We always enjoy that, but this is not the time for that. Overall, the Bears, an absolute, an absolute freaking mess. Um, it's like, can I pick the Vikings to win against the Bears? Sure I can. The Vikings are, the Vikings are improving. They're making baby steps. The crappy part is it is in Soldier Field, and the Vikings' success rate in Soldier Field is not good. And it seems like every time the Vikings go to Chicago, they don't win, despite how screwed up the Bears are, despite how bad they are. The Chicago Bears of 2009 were not a good team. They were not a good team. But they just ran all over the Vikings. And you had a guy named Devin Aromachidu get 150 yards receiving against the Vikings in that game. And that was basically equivalent to his statistics for his entire career. He basically eclipsed his statistics for his entire career in that one game. And then he came to Minnesota. Eh, he was an occasional deep threat once in a while, but that was when he actually caught the ball, but he usually didn't. So, kind of funny how we ended up... It, doesn't it always turn out that way where somebody has a career type of game against you, and that team, you know, the team that saw that career <laughs> statistics against them, they uh, signed the guy, and then he goes there and he doesn't do much. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, you look at the Bears. There's so many. There's so many names. Obviously, Jay Keller, Matt Forte. You don't quite have the. Uh, I mean, well, Alshon Jeffrey, but well, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, Marshallis Bennett is a solid, obviously, receiver slash tight end. Brandon Marshall's really like an elite player, but he seems like he's hurt all the time. Santonio Holmes, who was supposed to be this big-time player who hasn't been good for a while, unfortunately, and he's kind of a mental case. Only seven catches on the year, 56 yards. That's like a that's like an okay an okay single game, but that's in eight games. Things not looking so hot over there. Oh, by the way, there's this guy named Jared Allen. You know, 22 and a half sacks. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, Willie Young has got seven sacks, and and uh, <laughs> Stephen Paya has got four sacks, and Jeremiah Ratliff's got three and a half. Oh, Ego Ferguson's got two. Hmm. Oh, we're still waiting on Jared Allen, aren't we? He's got one and a half sacks for the season. One and a half sacks for the season. That's just not good. That's just not going to cut it. Pardon me as I try not to cough to death. But, um... Anybody out there still miss Jared Allen? Did you still miss him in his... his uh, okay, no. <laughs> he wasn't this bad for the Vikings last year. But just saying... And he probably would have played slightly better this year for the Vikings. I mean, yeah, look at me. You know, I mean, imagine Jared Allen under uh, Mike Zimmer. He probably would have been a little better, but who knows how combustible that situation might have gotten. I mean, who knows? It, it could have gone anywhere, to be quite honest. Um, but one and a half sacks. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, if he was playing that poorly, I do think Mike Zimmer would have probably had his ass. <laughs> I gotta think. He did have 11 and a half sacks last year, by the way, did Jared Allen. So you didn't really expect this type of drop-off. But that Bears team, this flat toxic. Uh, nobody's getting along. It doesn't matter if you play offense, defense, special teams. You're on the coaching staff. It's just, it's just not working. I mean, you step on the floor and you pretty much get sick. I'm not going to name any diseases or anything because that's kind of a bad idea, especially with what's going on in Africa right now. That probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> and I'm not a politically correct person, but I am also a somebody with with a, a couple brain cells up there at times when when need be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a little more humanitarian than that. Um, but as I just continue to draw this out and drag it out and all that good stuff, and no, I'm not rubbing it in because I actually kind of you know if I were to pick a second favorite team in the NFC North which a lot of you are probably rolling your eyes right now. You've heard this a million times, but for new listeners out there, and there's always there's always at least one or two new listeners out there, i got to think, or maybe 15 or 20 people that are listening to this show for the first time. If I were to pick a second favorite team in the NFC North, it's the Chicago Bears with a bullet. Do you think I like Detroit? No. I kind of enjoy how they're playing this year, and they're more likable this year versus the Jim Schwartz days where you just wanted to... Th- throw a brick through the TV set every time you saw them play, and you think for one second I like the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, when Favre was there, okay, sure, they were just about the second favorite team, but that was a long time ago. And no, they were not the second favorite team, but I respected Favre. Just Favre. That's it. I hated that Packers, but I respected Favre. Um, yeah, the Bears with a bullet, second favorite NFC North team. So I'm not enjoying necessarily the fact they're not playing well. But I will enjoy it if they play like garbage against the Vikings in, in Soldier Field on the 16th of uh, November. And and doesn't it just figure on a team with Jay Cutler that the backup quarterback would be Jimmy Clausen, who's one of the biggest a-holes basically out there? 
<laughs> like nobody it was funny how highly rated he was at one point he was supposed to go number one overall a lot like Teddy Bridgewater and then he just went straight down I mean nobody liked the guy he's just a mental case and he's just nuts and he's 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 an, he's an ass and there he is as a backup quarterback for Jay Cutler in Chicago I mean could it get any uglier mm. I'm not so sure it can yeah not so sure it can <laughs> and it's funny how I mentioned Alshon Jeffrey in the running game. Yeah, because it's funny how that he's in there. He's like the third leading rusher when he's the, and it was only for a couple of yards. It just shows that they have no other running backs, basically, other than Forte there, basically. And he's the leading, he's obviously the leading receiver for the Chicago Bears this season. So, um, yeah, because uh, Kadeem Carey's not doing all that much. I mean, he's not bad, but he's just adequate <laughs> for this club. Um, this is just kind of a feel type of thing right now. Does the to- does the toxic play by the Chicago Bears continue? Or do they have a little desperation in them? Do they have a little come-to-Jesus meeting or come-to-Jesus moment during their bye week? And then the Vikings are in for some trouble next time around. Well, luckily the Chicago Bears have to play the Packers first, and they're probably not going to win that game. So it's luckily in some ways and bad in others. Because it's, it's in Green Bay, if I'm correct. Yes, it is for the Bears. It's coming Sunday, November the 9th. Uh, that is a uh, that is an evening game as well. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you. <laughs> Good luck to you in Green Bay in that case. <sighs> Due to the baby steps for... The continued baby steps for the Minnesota Vikings and what I believe is a toxic environment in Chicago, I think the Vikings finally win in Soldier Field. I think Gump performs again. It's kind of a 50-50 type of thing because of the fact that we never win in Chicago, but I'm going to, you know, and I usually go with that situation. Like, I'll believe it when I see it, and I've been going with that all year, and I've been right most of the time, but not all the time. (laughs) But I'll go against it this time. I think the Vikings beat the Chicago Bears Sunday the 16th. I think the Vikings win. I think the Bears are too much of a mess. And I also, I have a really good vibe. I mean, you're seeing signs out of the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world. You hope the secondary can continue to to play better. You hope they can improve. Blanton is terrible, by the way. And obviously the Vikings offensive line is terrible. But, oh boy, that's the other thing. (laughs) It's like you want to believe the Chicago Bears defensive line won't do much against this whole line. But boy, uh, wouldn't you just be, would you just, wouldn't you just be shocked if Jared Allen got more than one sack against Teddy Bridgewater against our offensive line, that, that's the crappy part because <laughs> he's going to have a little like extra, like, yeah ump in that one, but no, aside of all that, I do pick the Vikings to win the game, I think the Bears do pose a threat in a sense, but at the same time, I think they're such a mess that the Vikings pull it out and it will be 500, they'll be 5-5 five and five after Chicago and we'll head into Green Bay and or head to TCF to play Green Bay and it'll be kind of a homestand for a little while there after that and uh, well we go from there we're not going to talk about those games right now because it's just not the time or place to do that unfortunately <laughs> but um, this has been kind of a long preview because I guess I'm using the extra time here and of course the Chicago Bears there's, there's a lot to say so I do think the Vikings uh, score against the Bears They've given up a lot of points this year. <laughs> I think the Vikings managed to put up 
28. And I think the Bears wind up with 24. So I probably used that score 100 times, but maybe not. Maybe I've come around there. But I think the Vikings went 28-24 in a fairly close one. Teddy Bridgewater, along the way, will get the job done yet again. And that'll be a huge building block for his career to have a victory in Soldier Field already on his belt. That'll be fantastic. So there you go. 28-24, Teddy Bridgewater and co. score against this not-so-good defense. And the Vikings get a turnover or two versus Jay Cutler, who is not only can throw interceptions, he fumbles. In fact, he fumbles quite a bit. He's lost four this year already. He's fumbled nine times overall, but luckily for the Bears, five of them were recovered by the Bears. But um, the way the defensive line is playing, I think they do force some type of fumble versus Jay Cutler. You even saw Matt Forte fumble this year, which is almost never. You even saw him fumble. That was crazy to see. <laughs> Cost the Bears the game. It it, it did. Um, but yeah, I could see a... Uh, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, uh, Anthony Barr forced a fumble and possibly a turnover as well from Harrison Smith. Maybe uh, Xavier Rhodes gets his first interception. We'll see. But that's where I think it goes. 28-24, Minnesota wins. Bridgewater hopefully throws two touchdown passes, but I think he'll throw at least one. And there you go. Just don't throw near Kyle Fuller. He's got three interceptions already this year. Unfortunately, has not brought him any of them back to the house yet. But, uh, Let's just keep it that way. Kyle Fuller, definitely the best defensive, uh, maybe the best defensive player the Bears have right now, but for sure the best uh, player in the secondary at this point in time. Six pass deflections to go along with his three interceptions. So, yeah, and obviously a very, very good player. We all know who he is. And there you go. There it is. Vikings win and rock and roll. I have to give you a black and white prediction. 28-24 is my black and white prediction. We'll be back after this for the fan interaction. back here on Purple Mafia, a very unorthodox episode (laughs) with different files and such, trying to piece this thing together because of the fact that all the regular Purple Mafia files out there, non-existent, so do apologize for that. Definitely not able to take calls this week either. Might as well just do the show and get the fan direction that I can from the Facebook page and the Twitter account, but yeah, being I don't have the bumper, uh, (laughs) the bumper for, uh, the contact details, i got to give it to you right now for Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show. And of course, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And that's where we'll start. Now, right before that, though, I will mention that Adrian Peterson is talking, negotiating some type of plea bargain. So now that's another story regarding the Minnesota Vikings and the running back and all that. So who knows? You never know. The stranger things may happen. You might even see number 28 on the field again this year. I still personally doubt it because the NFL argue, uh, more, more than likely will usher in some type of suspension and uh, whatever, you know. So let, let's just uh, get your Jarek McKinnon jerseys and uh, hang up your Adrian Peterson jerseys. Don't don't burn them or anything. You don't need to burn them. It's not that bad. Just uh, hang them up and, um, well, take care of them, especially if it's autographed, obviously. But, <laughs> no, just hang them up and get your Jarek McKinnon jerseys, I suppose, if you have the the time and the money to do that. So, 
Definitely not against anybody that does, that's for sure. And I do get jerseys. I do get jerseys, but sometimes, uh, you know, I have to be, have to have set my priorities straight. I can't get a million jerseys. I can't get a ton of jerseys either, so, or a decent amount either. So, just letting you know, you got to kind of prioritize where your bills go at times. All right, on to where uh, I normally st- start at times where I say the most, the, the newest episode is out. No uh, comments this time around, but do appreciate the support and the likes that I got there. So now, I basically posted a thread saying, I knew it, RG3 will conveniently start versus the Vikings at TCF on Sunday. Yep, and got a little response for that. That was in the midweek. This week, Brett McCarthy says, It's okay, Barr will chase him into, well, Barr will chase him into Griffin. Mm-hmm. Or a Greenway, or just chase him down. Yeah, uh-huh. Barr did that. Barr was unbelievable today. Sebastian's saying Dowdy will run a lot. Wild card, wild card round ass kicking. So obviously, uh, Mr. Sebastian showing off his Madden skills there with the Vikings. Uh, obviously, uh, playing season ball right there, beating the Redskins forty-five to fourteen in the first round of the playoffs. At least that was the score at the time with five minutes and eleven seconds left. Apparently, as I can see there. So there you go. Nice to see. Looks like Sebastian's pretty good at that game. (laughs) You know, because Washington's talented, man. And that's what I was talking about on the last episode. They're talented. It's kind of surprising that they're not real, you know, the record isn't so hot, but man, I mean, they're, if if RG3 can stay healthy and they can kind of get things, get things squared away, of course, they're, they're safe, they're, they're secondary, can kind of gain some experience and take some more baby steps, so to speak. Watch out for the Washington Redskins the next, you know, five years or so. Like, during the next five years. I'm not saying five years from now. During. All right. Mark Carlson saying, with all that's going on in Washington, I would leave that third the third string in. He has a strong arm against, yeah, yep, yep. Strong arm against Dallas. I thought there was something there. Yeah, Mark, I'm telling you, that Colt McCoy, and that was another mistake I made last week when I picked the Cowboys to roll all over the Redskins. They did not roll all over the Redskins. They got beat by the Redskins in Texas Stadium or whatever the heck it's called now. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's just, ah, they got they got beat at home. They got beat at home. It's just unbelievable. The Cowboys got beat at home, but you know what? That's the Cowboys for you. And, of course, Tony Romo did get injured. He did come back in that game, but the Chicago, no, Chicago, the Dallas Cowboys did not, did not win that game. The Redskins played very good defense, and Colt McCoy completing about like 90% of his passes again. What the hell? So then here's RG3. I mean, that, that's the thing. Regardless of how hot Colt McCoy was, you have Robert Griffin III as your, you know, he's your franchise player. As great as Alfred Morris is, RG3 is a franchise, kind of a franchise player. At least he's the money maker for your team. You might want to put him out there. I mean, you kind of almost have to, but yeah, really... Oh, really, though, I can understand Mark there. Maybe you'd want RG to sit and heal some more during the the Washington Redskins bye. Dave Hickey, also out of Iowa, along with Mark Carlson, saying, it's scary to know that any one of their three quarterbacks could be a th- yeah, yep, could be a threat, and the pass rush that the Skins put on Dallas could really give our O-line problems. Mm-hmm. With Teddy starting to hook up with the receivers, looking promising, and McKinnon, looking good if they can put it all together. We could make a run for the playoffs, yeah. And then he puts it, not. 
Just just listen to the show, Joey. It's a good one. And congrats, Mark Mark Carlson on the Gold Star. Yep. Thank you. Yep. And both of those guys, Dave and Mark, out of Iowa, know what a Gold Star is, boy. They have a pretty good idea. They have a nice little imaginary trophy case over there, you know, because obviously, you know what I mean. They have a nice Gold Star trophy case in Iowa. Yes, they do. Mark Carlson continuing saying, I agree with Dave. Look look how many times they blitzed Romo and and what happened to Romo. Mm-hmm. Better repair this game and protect Teddy. And luckily, even though <laughs> even though Khalil and the Lord Holt got there, you know what's kicked all day. All day. And Charlie Johnson just sucks. And he's just done. He just sucks. I feel like he's needed to draft a guard in the, in the, in the yeah, they need to draft a guard. They need to get somebody to replace Mr. Uh, Johnson. But yeah, Teddy didn't get hurt, and that's that's the good news right there. Malcolm McSween out of California saying, let's hope Barr takes his sandwich again. Mm-hmm. Well, Barr was pretty damn good. No matter if he took the sandwich or not, he was pretty damn good. Vikings in-game threat. I'm going to dig around in here a little bit. Why the hell? What the hell? I hate when something happens where somebody's comment gets like hidden when it when I didn't do that. Yeah, uh, Mark Carlson was mad about we're getting beat deep. Sebastian was mad about the penalties. Yeah, and there were quite a few. Um, there were some good ones here. Along the way, Gerald String saying, are the refs about done with these BS calls? <laughs> sorry, I didn't see anything. Yeah, uh-huh, sorry. I sure didn't see anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Gerald again, Gerald String saying, when, oh, when will I learn to put Matt Astiana on my fantasy team? Yeah, for fantasy football, yeah. I mean, Astiana's one of those guys you could rack up the goal line touchdowns. Yes, he can, um, without a doubt. I have no idea why this is hidden, and I can't fix it right now. That sucks. But, yeah, Sebastian's saying, RD stopped someone, and I'm the only one that can see it, which is annoying. I don't know what the hell happened there. Mark Carlson saying, I love this team. Sebastian saying, I love them too, but, but by God, <laughs> they make me want to, make me want to have a drink. Ah, Tony Coleman. It's been a little while. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Saying to me, four and five sounds a lot better than three and six. Yep. That about sums it up real quickly. You know, talk about to the point right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Winning. <laughs> This is not the kind of season where I'm sitting here saying tank it, worry about a draft pick. Now, this is a building type of year. We have a, enough prospects to at least hope that this team can make steps forward. And to this point, it appears they are doing that. Sebastian continuing the conversation, saying one went away from last year's high. Yep. Gerald String, String saying it sounds good. SB, that means Sebastian Balls. I think I'll go find a tall grass in the fridge. Wait, you have tall grass? Huh? You you got some Gerald? Men- uh, let me know. I'm sure you're. Yep, yeah, I'm sure you're listening. Please do let me know if you got tall grass. Which one you had and which one you uh, did like. Um, I wish I could throw the commercial in, but I probably advertise it right about now. Um, yeah, right now the autumn season. Before I continue on this, as Sebastian's saying, yes, the tall grass sounds good. <laughs> the overall, my overall favorite out of the group is the eight bit pale ale. It's got Pac Man licking his chops. <laughs> on the cover of the can. If you see that at the liquor store, if, especially if you're in the central time zone per se, and maybe some of the east and some of the west, but particularly probably more slightly east than west, I'll say, 
But if you're in the central time zone, Tallgrass most likely is going to be available at some liquor stores. And of course, they do have a beer locator um, on, on their website. Uh, Tallgrass Brewing. Tallgrassbrewing.com Go there, click on the beer locator to see what's available in your area and where, where, which liquor stores have it and what they have. But yeah, the 8-Bit Pale Ale is the franchise for me, myself, <laughs> personally. It is the official beer of this podcast and of my other shows, Timberwolves Explosion, Showtime and T-Wolves and Brave the Wild, which I really need to get off my ass and record. But yeah, convenient now that the stupid, <laughs> stupid, uh, Files are missing right now, but maybe I could piece something together, get that thing going. Again, I really need to, and they're playing oh, they're playing sky high. But yeah, pardon me for interrupting the tall grass here. Just wonderful beer overall. Ethos, if you like IPAs, which I do. They're not my favorite, but they're way up there. That's a little bit more on the bitter side. Really hoppy. 8-Bits uh, hoppy. Ethos is really hoppy. Um, really good beer. Ethos. It's got kind of a unique, like almost like alien look <laughs> with the orange can. And, of course, the Zombie Monkey is the seasonal, which I tend to kind of feature those during the course of the seasons, which makes it more interesting as you go from season to season to season. It's kind of fun. A robust porter, lots of fra- flavor, pardon me. The typical porter flavors are the kind of the coffee chocolate-ish, but porters usually not as rich as stouts. They're just more, they have more rounded flavors, per se, like some barley in there and um, some other roasted malts. And I really like porters, and this time of year, especially on a cloudy day, porters just, oh, they, they it just hits the spot. So, Zombie Monkey, very unique looking can out there. You should be able to see it on the Facebook page. I have posted pictures of it, including 8-Bit and others, so there you go. They actually probably got a longer ad out of me right there and more detailed. <laughs> All right, on to Gerald String saying, congrats to Teddy. Didn't realize this. Yeah, here we go. But first, Vikings rookie quarterback with three wins. That's kind of crazy. First, Vikings rookie quarterback with three wins. Doesn't seem like a great stat, but it's pretty good. But it's a pretty good start. We'll take it. And uh, that's a good point right there. That's kind of weird, yeah. Really not even Fran, huh? Uh, Mark Carlson saying cheers. And Sebastian saying, yeah, not even the great Fran was able to. Kind of sad. Not going to lie. That's weird. Like, how many games did the Vikings win that year? Huh. Because Fran was pretty damn good right out of the gate, wasn't he? Huh. But I suppose he wasn't, like, the starter right away either. But, hmm. Yeah, I suppose that Vikings team wasn't that great right away. They were pretty new. But very quickly, that team took off. And uh, even though they pissed off Norm Van Brocken, they got him fired because he just, uh, well, he was fighting with Fran Tarkenton. That's not good business. <laughs> I mean, let the guy develop, for cripe's sake. He, he, didn't, he didn't want Fran Tarkenton to scramble. Really? Smart. Post-game thoughts, kind of small again, because I'm always late on that. And I do apologize, but uh, we got a lot of post-game talk in the last thread. I suppose it all kind of is relative at the end of the day. Anyway, Todd Grunlian, still with that Baltimore Orioles logo, and I like that. I like it a lot. <laughs> I wish they were able to beat the Royals, and the Royals with one of the most heartbreaking World Series defeats, probably of all time. And I guess I am <laughs> I am getting off track again, but it's still sports, and uh, maybe you listen to hear multiple things I say, not just Vikings, but... Um, you know, I try to add a little uniqueness to this show, I suppose. See, it just shows I am. <laughs> but uh, 
one of the most heartbreaking defeats I've ever seen for a, a team in baseball. To think how close that team was, the Kansas City Royals, and the fact they were at home for Game 7. And here's a stat, er, here's a stat for you. Here's a stat for you. You want something that you don't hear on every show out there. <laughs> the last team to win a seventh game of a World Series on the road was the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates. And I'm telling you folks, winning Game 7 on the road in, in a championship like a World Series or NBA Finals is extremely rare. Extremely rare, particularly for baseball and basketball, because hockey it happened like two years in a row. I couldn't believe it. It was pretty crazy. The Penguins won in Detroit, and uh, the Boston Bruins won two couple years later in uh, Vancouver. And yes, that's right off the top of my head because I'm that good. No, I'm good because <laughs> I'm that big of a fan of sports. But um, uh, man, I, I just couldn't believe it. But to think of how close it was, though considering the Kansas City Royals had a runner on third base. Third base. Could you imagine you're at home? Man, and you're. what if you're one of the fans in the stands that's been watching that team all these years? And man, oh man, like George Brett, I could just imagine the heartbreak for him. But uh, yeah, okay, I bannered off into baseball. <laughs> I apologize. Got off track, but maybe you liked that. Maybe you didn't. Ah, whatever. It's part of the show, damn it. I'm going to... I'm going to jump off once in a once in a while because it's still sports and it's interesting. I mean, it's major league sports right there. And that was a huge event that took place. I mean, it's 35 years ago the last time a, t- a team won a baseball won a game 7 of the World Series on the road in baseball. So, yeah, it's pretty intriguing. Mark Carlson saying this was a great game today, though near the end I got a bit concerned about the time management. Uh-huh. Yeah, as I think about as I think about that, though, that, that must be what he meant, that, though, the defense is still giving up yeah, too many deep passes. Who's responsible for that? I guess I won't be happy until no one can pass deep on us. On a positive note, sack RG3 and do it again. Very happy. Teddy looked good. Hey, even our receiver made some big plays with bye week coming up. And the Bears after that, I think, or I am thinking... We can do the unthinkable win in Chicago. Skull, Mark from Iowa. And I'm with you, Mark. And that will be a star candidate. Yeah. So he has a shot at being a back-to-back gold star winner. But we'll see where things go. Malcolm McSween with a huge uh, thing here, too. Saying no turnovers, again, is huge. As long as we keep that up, we will be in every game. Yeah, without a doubt. And very good thought. That's a potential star candidate right there by Malcolm. Um, Very, very very doggone uh, true. I mean, they protected the football. That's a huge, that's a very, very, very important uh, aspect right there. Um, what the hell? Why are these getting hidden? Who's doing that? That's pretty weird. Because I didn't do that. I don't know who's doing that or what's doing that. Mm, um, I was mentioning that uh, the possibility of that I wouldn't be recording this show and Wonderful listeners out there were responding, and Sebastian saying it's okay. At least you're trying. Robin Sullivan saying it happens, no worries, and Mark Carlson saying, "Dang, why did this get?" That's kind of weird. I don't know what happened. Maybe he did it. Uh, that could be. Sebastian saying, "Bears fans be like the Vikings. One, we're in last place, and I think I just 
bleeped my pants. <laughs> As in crapped his pants. Uh, Robin Sullivan saying, thanks, Joey. Look forward to listening. When I mentioned I actually am recording, and yeah, I got to see if I can. <laughs> I got to bumper the segments. <laughs> so just letting you know that. Um, do apologize for the... Uh, and yes, I am trying. Yes, I am trying. I I enjoyed today's game so much. It's like, you know what? Even though I'm tired and I, the long cleanups have started, I enjoyed today's game so bleeping much. It's like, I got to get behind the mic, man. Even though I, my, I was thinking kind of about this, I'd be, maybe I'll sit out this week for the first time in a few years. You know, <laughs> the numbers have been down, unfortunately, the past couple of weeks. I don't really know why, other than it's just... Uh, Probably people getting sick of watching a boring product. Hopefully the show isn't boring, but... Uh, well, it's up to you with what you think, I suppose. Doggone it. <laughs> but no, really appreciate the support, the support from those of you that do indeed support this show. And another way to support it, of course, is to go on iTunes. Obviously, a lot of you listen to the show from iTunes. Write a review of the show. Or at least give us a nice five-star or four-star rating. That would be terrific. It certainly would. So let's get to a couple of uh, responses on the Twitter now. A couple of uh, mentions, so to speak. At Purple Mafia Show. Anthony and at Antonio Fett, that is the son of Mark Carlson, say, I think this game is going to come down to who has the best secondary. I hope that's Minnesota today. Yeah, you know, there were times that Washington, well, Washington, flat out, they were this close, including the first play of the game, and I thought about this tweet immediately when I saw saw what I saw on that first play. Yeah, Anthony's right, right there, because uh, Washington just about gave up gave up a touchdown on the first play of the game if Bridgie didn't overthrow him, damn it, and that's a baby step he needs to take and improve on in a huge way. He certainly does, because he missed another uh, receiver, being Greg Jennings, and then of course underthrew Cordero, and I already talked about that in the first segment, but it is what it is. Um, the Washington secondary could have been obliterated today, but instead they were just kind of beat down the stretch. So, yeah, uh, Vikings secondary was adequate, not great, adequate. They were above average, so good good for them. I think the defensive line really, truly won the game for the Vikings today, but not a bad take at all for Antonio there. Uh, the defensive line partially won the game today, and Gump, Teddy Bridgewater, partially won the game as well. That's why when we get into the Stars and the uh, Fran Tarkenton and Tavares Jackson awards here very shortly, Antonio Fett continuing once again saying, if we can get ahead and keep the crowd in it, should be okay. However, this is Minnesota. Yep, very, very true. Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland saying, I think it's going to be another long game to watch. We could have two touchdowns by now. Got to hook up on those deep ones. Yeah, that's a that's a star candidate, and that's very true. You gotta hook up on those. Um, uh, Dave Martin saying, "Should I switch to red zone?" Ah, <laughs> yep, yep. And Dallas Deitzenbach even favorited the tweet by uh, Dave Martin. So yeah, that, that was a good one. That's definitely a star candidate. And notice how the favorites are stars on Twitter. Yep, <laughs> Dave with a couple more here saying, "Should that not be from?" Raw to bore. Yeah, when I mentioned how the Vikings went from, from raw to flat incompetent, and it looked like that in that first half, and, and parts of the second half as well. Dave, again, finally uh, finalizing his post up with, I don't find it funny. Maybe more beer will help. Yep. Yeah, maybe the Viking game in general. And D. Fry, 
who's a Chicago Bears fan and a friend of Antonio Fett, saying Vikings for president. Vikings for president. Hmm. Because they beat Washington? I guess that's what he meant. <laughs> I guess that's what he meant. Hmm. That's an interesting one. It's funny. I mean, it's interesting, but I'm not sure. I think that's what he meant. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not, obviously not trying to make light of it in a mean way. So, there you go. Fran Tarkenton Award. It's going to go to... It's going to go... You know, there's going to be two dual awards this week, which is kind of probably annoying in a way, but nah, not really. There's going to be two ties. Um, the Fran Tarkenton Award is going to go to Sharif Floyd and Everson Griffin on the defensive line. You could and an honorable mention to Anthony Barr, who was unbelievable, but Sharif Floyd and Everson Griffin were just game changers out there today. They were unbelievable. Not only did Everson Griffin get another sack, but he also made huge plays tackling Alfred Morris and such along the way and stopping RG3 maybe on, an, on some attempted runs as well. And Sharif Floyd was an absolute terror. Best game of his career so far. Really good sign for the future of this Minnesota Vikings franchise. And the diverse Jackson Memorial is another co-victory. Huh, a very bad victory, but obviously the worst player of the week. Going to Matt Khalil, who's got like a million of them now. And Phil, uh, uh, Phil Lodeholt along the way. Charles Johnson, it's like three. You could mention pretty much all of them. They really did not play well today at all. Um, but yeah, Phil Oldholt and Matt Khalil are going to get the the dubious uh, Tavares Jackson Memorial today. They just continue to struggle out there, continue to see guys go right past them. Not good. Not good. So let's get to the stars. Um, easier said than done, right? So yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to get a star, obviously. Um, a gold star this week? Well... <laughs> I'm going to give it to, here it is, I told you it was coming. I told you it was coming, and I kind of was thinking, but yeah, the comment uh, when Gerald String yep, mentioned <laughs> about the three wins by Teddy Bridgewater and how, you know, there it is. That's that's just a nice building block right there. He's going to get the gold star this week. Um, if you can, yeah. It's like, it's a, it, it's tough, because there, there were a lot of good ones this week again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it to Gerald Swing, the gold star. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Silver star is going to go to Sebastian Balls. Great, strong week all over the place. Really happy to have him back posting again. Really strong week in general. Lots of, lots of really good comments. Lots of energy, lots of passion, and lot, and just good things to say along the way. And the bronze star is going to go, it's going to be a a tie. Mark Carlson with what he had to say, really, really good. And of course, uh, Malcolm McSween with that nice, strong statement about the uh, the zero turnovers obviously being a, a, a huge deal. Obviously bringing that up and mentioning it. You know, I mean, it's not like you know, it's not like breakthrough information or anything, but it's still just just saying how important that is and it's the importance of how uh, of like what a big deal that truly is for the Vikings. It's like, yes, no turnovers is a big deal, but it's like still at the same time, just showing how how big of a deal it is. Yes, it is a very big deal that the Vikings were able to do that back-to-back week. So Malcolm, very well deserving of a bronze star along with Mark Carlson. So Gerald String, gold star, 
Silver Star to Sebastian and of course uh, Mark Carlson and Malcolm with bronzes along the way. Shout out to Brent Jacobson. Missed you. I know uh, I think he tried to call in a couple weeks ago and he did call in recently as well. Missed him this week unfortunately but uh, he did talk to me about the uh, now ever probable hiring of Paul Molitor to be the Twins manager. We had a little little text exchange yesterday as I was doing cleanups. Crazy. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Paul Molitor, I might as well say. Um, I'm not against it. And I know a lot of Twins fans out there were probably like thinking, oh goody, building from within again, or hiring from within again, another like thing where we can't go outside of the organization. But to me, Molitor is an exception. Molitor is an exception when it comes to going outside of the organization or inside of the organization, because he is kind of an outsider when you think about it. And the guy's baseball knowledge is unbelievable. And the last time you heard people talk about the, the a guy's baseball knowledge being as unbelievable as it is, the guy's name was Tom Kelly. And the Twins won two World Series. Sucks that Paul Molitor's 58 and not 38, like Tom Kelly was pretty much. Tom Kelly was about that age when he got his World Series. But, well, it is what it is. I mean, that's what the Twins get for waiting as long as they did. They could have hired him when he was still in his 40s. Instead of hiring Ron Gardenhire. <laughs> and here I am talking about baseball again. But yeah, I have baseball on the mind tonight for some strange reason. But obviously hiring a manager is kind of rare in this town. This is only the third manager I've seen as a twin, Twins fan. Even though I could be old enough to have seen the Twins in 85. But I didn't watch them back then. Not until 87. Um, but no, it's a positive hiring. And... When you hear people gushing about the man's knowledge about the game, it's pretty cool. Ron Gardenhire, to me, was just... And yeah, and I figure I will talk about this here before I leave. Um, why not? Uh, Ron Gardenhire, to me, was a good baseball mind, but not a great baseball mind. yet. You never really got the vibe like he was great. You got the vibe that he was good, and at times very good, but never great. Never. You, you just never got that vibe. It was just good to very good. So with that, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens if Molitor adjusts or is true manager material. Because obviously, you know, just the fact he's a great baseball guy doesn't mean he's a great manager. But we'll see. I think it helps his chances to being that. So thanks again for listening. Thank you for bearing with me. And I enjoyed this an awful lot. It was a kind of a weird, unorthodox Purple Mafia. But then again, like I say, like I said last week, maybe that's why you listen. Because this show is ever-changing all the time. Every show is different in its own way. And again, that might be why you listen. <laughs> you know, because you never really, you know... Maybe that keeps the show from being boring. And hey, why not? So, as long as it's not too weird, hopefully you did enjoy it. And you will enjoy it again next time around. Obviously, next week is bye week. And there will, for sure, this time, there will be no show next week. So, that's probably no great surprise to you out there. The one time I did a bi-week show was way back in 2008, and I learned the hard way. That was just a waste of time. I mean, like, nobody listened to it, so... <laughs> and I'm too busy this time of year to just throw out a bi-week show and talk about just here-and-there type stuff, and nobody's listening. I, I don't have the time for that, so... Thanks again for listening, thanks for your support, and we'll be back in two weeks. And uh, till then, hopefully everyone gets healthy that needs to, and Bridgie... Continue to take them steps forward. Until then, everybody, do take care.